How many of you noticed my new glasses this morning? You see my new glasses here? All right. These, these aren't a birthday present, but um, it's funny. I got, I've gotten a few compliments on them. I've got a few kind of funny looks. Uh, but here, here's the real funny thing, okay? The, the funny thing about it is I, I don't really need glasses. <laughs> In fact, I've got almost perfect vision. When I moved back to Tennessee from Oklahoma, the youth group, uh, at the church where I was serving in Tulsa, they gave me this wonderful going away gift, uh, LASIK laser eye surgery. I've often wondered if it was because they really loved me that much or if it was all those near misses in the church van uh, throughout the years. But that was a great gift they gave me. And either way, I've got, I've got almost 20-20 vision now. So you probably wonder why I'm wearing glasses this morning, right? Well, I'm glad you asked. These are what I like to call my, uh, my attitude glasses. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, they used to call them my, my hipster glasses. They're, they're purely uh, decorational. They're just for, for fashion's sake, right? My wife says that they make me look cool and smart, and uh, she promises she, she's not just saying that. Somebody told me that I looked extra studious this morning, and so I appreciate that. Um, but here's the thing. I remember... Uh, I remember one time I was wearing my glasses around a group of friends, these, these uh, glasses, and somebody said, hey, hey, those are cool glasses, let me see them. And uh, so I handed them to them, they put them on, and, and they, said, uh, they said, hey, these glasses are fake. And I said, no, they're, real, they're really glasses. And uh, he, he said, well, yeah, I know, but, but they don't work, right? And I said, no, <laughs> they work. <laughs> they're just not prescription. <laughs> Uh, so my point in all this is, is this, they, they look good, right? They make me look cool. They make me look smart, but they in no way enhance my vision. Uh, I could be nearsighted. I could be farsighted. These glasses would do nothing to help my condition. They don't help me see better. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's, I want to, I want to tell you why that'll preach. Okay. Um, this morning I want to talk about vision and how important it is for our lives and for our life together as the church. And this is a very, uh, since the beginning of, of God's people, I believe that uh, we've needed to have our vision checked on a regular basis. And that's what I want us to do today. Uh, James, in, in, in the book that bears his name, he says that if we're left to our own devices, uh, apart from God and God's word, we're like someone that looks at themselves in the mirror and then does what? goes away and forgets what they look like, right? Sometimes we have a vision problem. Bill Hybels, who's a pastor, former pastor of a, a Willow Creek Church, he says, he has this uh, famous phrase, it's so simple, but it's so packed with meaning. He says, vision leaks. And so we need to constantly be filling ourselves back up with that vision. We need to constantly evaluate our vision, the way that we see things, uh, ourselves, the world around us, and even God. So this morning, I, I put together a little sticky phrase that I want to share with you, and I want to unpack it this morning, and it's this. I believe that the church is, is the frame that, that holds God's vision in place, in a particular place, so that, so that the world can see God's presence through the lens of life together. Now, I know there's a lot in that phrase. Let me say it one more time. I believe the church is the frame that holds God's vision in place, in a particular place, so that the world can see God's presence through the lens of life 
together. And when you think about churches, the frames can look a whole lot different, but the vision is always the same. It's always been the same. It'll always be the same. It's, it's about a world where, where creator and creation live together in perfect relationship with one another. This was God's vision for us from the very beginning, all the way back in the book of Genesis. According to one of my favorite seminary professors, Dr. Sandra Richter, she says that God's original intent is this. The people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. She wrote a book called The Epic of Eden, and she talks about how that's what, that was what was going on in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. And she also says that that's what's going on at the very end in the new heaven and the new earth in the book of Revelation, what we read about. It's the same thing. God, the people of God in the place of God, dwelling in the presence of God. And in the entire history of humanity is about getting the people of God back to the place of God, to dwell in the presence of God forever. And the way that God goes about this is, is redemption and restoration. The way that God goes about redeeming and restoring humanity to that right relationship with God and others, it could be best described with one word, covenant. God made a covenant with humanity through Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? And, and we broke that covenant. And that took the people of God away from the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. And so God makes a series of covenants in order to bring us back into right relationship with God. God makes a covenant through Noah and a covenant through Abraham and a covenant through Moses and a covenant through David. He, he does this. Each one of these covenants with God's people is, is a lens, if you will, that, that revealed God's vision to God's people, the people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. And yet each time we as human beings lost sight of the vision. We, we took our eyes off the prize. We, we got distracted and, and ended up getting destructive. We were blinded by things like greed and fear and pride and lust. And, and yet no matter how many times we, we turned away, our, our gaze turned away from God's presence, God remained faithful. In fact, God knew that we couldn't keep the covenant on our own, and so God decided to come and do it for us. The good news of God's grace is that God sent his one and only son who, who was God and who was with God in the beginning. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to this earth proclaiming and living out God's vision. And, and he preached and taught about what our response needs to be to God's vision. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God where God reigns supreme and God's people flourish in community. He was helping people to see God's presence and provision and power in their lives and in our world. He, he said to the Pharisees, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He said, all the law and the prophets, they all hang on these two commands, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is giving God's people a, a new lens for them to, to be able to see God's vision that's right in front of them. It wasn't something new. It was, it was something old that was coming to fulfillment. God's vision was right in front of them and they couldn't see it. So he was teaching God's people to learn how to see themselves in the world and God through the lens of of God's grace. 
And there's this beautiful picture in, in the Gospels on the last night that Jesus had with his disciples. Those, those friends who'd become like family, they, they'd shared life together every day for three years. They were, they were gathered around the table in order to share this very special meal that was called the, the Passover meal. It was a meal that, that reminded God's people for, for generations of God's covenant, God's faithfulness to them, how God rescued them and redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. He restored them and remained faithful to his covenant with them. And, and they talk about how on the night of, of the death of the firstborn in Egypt, God told God's people to take the blood of a spotless lamb and put it on the doorposts of the houses of God's people. And because of the blood of the lamb, death literally passed over each household. That's why it's called the, the Passover meal. Now I want you to take all that and, and picture what it would have been like as they break bread together and as they remembered the story of God's covenant with God's people. Imagine Jesus coming to the table and taking the bread and the cup and saying, this is my body broken for you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Something incredible is happening here. It's something new, but it's something old. Jesus was, was the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, as the Old Testament prophesied, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, Jesus was the blood of the spotless Lamb that death might pass over us. It was poured out for you and for me for the forgiveness of sins. The, the new covenant, it doesn't abolish the old covenant. It fulfills it. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was, was how God has made a way once and for all for the people of God to be in the place of God, enjoying the presence of God. Does that make sense? Jesus was giving them a new lens to see God's vision for humanity, and he was going to send them out to share that good news, the good news of God's grace with all the people around them, to build the church on that profession of faith for the church to be, to be the frames that holds God's vision in front of people so that they see things through the lens of God's kingdom. That's the mission of the church then and now. I believe the church is the frame that holds God's vision in place so that the world can see God's presence through the lens of life together. Now I wanna make this personal for us this morning. Or personal for me. Uh, when my family and I first came to fellowship uh, a little over two years ago, can you believe that? Uh, when we first got here, there was a word that I heard more than any other word. And you know how much I love words. And so I really hung on to that word. The word that I heard over and over again was this word, family. When I talked to everybody, I participated in a number of uh, these little listening sessions where we would go to different people's houses and, and I would ask four, to four questions. And over and over again, one of the things I heard was, we are a family. Fellowship is a family. I got this sense that, that our identity and our purpose was grounded in these unique relationships experienced here at Fellowship, relationships with God and others and the ways that we live that out together in community. You agree with that? I see some folks shaking their heads. I heard phrases like, 
Fellowship prays for each other. Fellowship shows up for each other. Fellowship meets each other's needs. Fellowship serves our community. Fellowship shares the gospel with people. I loved it. It reminded me so much of the vows of membership that that we take in the United Methodist Church. When someone wants to come join the church, one of the last questions I ask them is, is will they be faithful to this covenant they're making with God and, and with this community of faith by supporting this congregation with, with a few things? Prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And I always love to ask the congregation to renew their vows as well, to support that person with their prayers and presence and gifts and service and witness. I think it's this beautiful picture of shared life and ministry together as the body of Christ. And now all that brings us to uh, the scripture lesson that I want to share with you today. There's a particular verse that I want us to look at, and Don already mentioned it earlier. It's, it's what I think is foundational to this fresh expression of God's vision for us as a fellowship family. There's a passage of scripture in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians that captures the essence of this identity and this purpose better than anything that, that I, I've read in scripture. And so I, want, I don't wanna just read it for you. You've already heard it this morning. I wanna invite us to join together and, and read it together. So it's gonna be on the screen. Would you read it with me? First Thessalonians 2, chapter eight. I mean, chapter two, verse eight. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Come on, I know it's early. Y'all can do better than that. Will you do it with me one more time? 1 Thessalonians 2.8, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That was much better. Thank you. I knew you could be loud because I heard your singing earlier. It was so good. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul's describing this, this relationship with God's people where the heart of life and ministry in the name of Jesus is, is about sharing life together with, with one another in Christ that, that's formed the foundation of this new vision statement that we want to live in. You might have seen the signs coming in this morning. We're going to have even more of them. We're going to put it all over this place so we can be reminded of it. Sharing life together in Christ, because I think it sums up so well uh, what I heard in the listening sessions, this desire to share life together in Christ and to invite others to join into that. And you, and you know how much I love words and, and how God speaks to me so, so often with one word. And, and, you know, there were four questions in those listening sessions. And, and I came up with a one word for each of those questions. And, and, you know, they all had to start with the same letter, right? So it was four C's, connection, collaboration, commission, celebration. I believe that, that these are foundational to who we are and who God is calling us to be. Not because they start with the same letter, but because they're... They're about sharing life together. I think, I think about who we are as a fellowship, as a, faith, a family of faith and what Christ is calling us to do. And that's the vision, sharing life together in Christ. It's about, it's about a connection with, with God and others in Christ. It's about collaboration with God and others for the work of ministry. It's, it's about the Great Commission it's about celebration of what God has done and is doing in our lives together. It's about everyone, not just in our church, but in our community. Everyone being introduced 
to community, everyone uh, being invested in ministry, everyone being involved in mission, everyone being invited into relationship with Christ through testimony. So this is something that we've come up with uh, as kind of a visual of that, that we want, we want you to be able to see and, and I hope that you'll kind of, um, that that'll start to shape our, our identity and our purpose. We've got this on a whiteboard in our staff offices and every day we come in and we look at this and it's begun to shape our conversations and our decisions and just our everyday interacting with one another. And that's my hope for us as well. So here's the, here's the last little piece of this puzzle that I want to connect for you today. And, and I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you today and I promise it won't be like this every week of this series, but I want to just kind of lay the foundation today. And, and one of the amazing things about it that I want to share with you, and I hope that you'll see it uh, the way that I have, uh, because something happened just recently to me that it was sort of like the first time you put glasses on and you start to see things in a way that you didn't ever see them before. Um, I hope you'll be able to see it through this lens as well and, and, and how all these things are gonna come together or are coming together in such a way and for such a time as this that, that I believe only God could have brought it together in this way. So, so here's the last thing about this. At the beginning of the year, uh, in the middle of all the, the chaos and confusion of the, the, the crazy COVID world that we've been living in, uh, our staff, some of our staff and key leaders got together and met with some of our friends at the Generous Church and uh, they started uh, giving us some, some guidance and strategic planning on how to create a, whole, a culture of whole life generosity among our fellowship family. And they, they talked to us about how generosity wasn't uh, a campaign, it wasn't a ploy to get people to give money, it was a lifestyle of following and serving Christ. How it wasn't about stewardship, it was about discipleship. And just so you know, I, I'm not leading us to a place this morning where I'm gonna ask you for, to give money or anything, so y'all can just calm down and, and listen to what I've got to say, okay? <laughs> but they shared with us these seven infusion strategies, what they call them, how to infuse generosity into the culture of our fellowship family. And, and uh, I wanna share these words to you because they're not gonna be anything uh, that you hadn't already heard before. They said the ways that we do this, prayer, individual growth in Christ, in God's word, uh, engagement in, in our community, acts of generosity, storytelling, small groups, and preaching. And I thought, you know what? That's a pretty good list. I like that a lot, except for that preaching was at the bottom of the list. I tried not to take that personal. That was number seven, but you know. <laughs> but I had this really powerful revelation. It was as if I had put on glasses for the first time. I, I, I looked at those listening sessions, those conversations we had, and this vision, mission, values that we've been working on over the last year. I looked at the, the vows of membership and these infusion strategies for the culture of generosity. And what I realized was all of those things were leading us to this, this one vision, uh, that those were all just lenses, different lenses for us to see it and experience it. They were the same purpose, just different process. They're the same goals, just coming about them from different angles. They're headed in the same direction with the same destination, but they were just different paths to get there. They were different streams, if you will, coming together to form this mighty rushing river, leading us to one place. And that place was the people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. It's, when you distill it down to that 
main core thing about who we are and who God's calling us to be. It's about making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's about making disciples who make disciples. Amen? Isn't that who we are and, and who God's calling us to be? It's not just who I am or what I do as the pastor or even what we do as a staff or, or leaders, right? It's about all of us sharing life together in Christ. And when we do that, we experience life in Christ, life abundant and life eternal through Christ. That's the good news of God's grace, amen? It's about all of us though. We all have to do this together. I heard a preacher say this once, shepherds don't make sheep, sheep make sheep. I don't think about that too much, but you get the point of what I'm trying to say, right? Did you know that according to uh, churchgrowth.com, out of all the people interviewed, they asked them why they attended church. 2% said it was because of advertising. 6% said because of some kind of organized visitation. Another 6% said because they were invited by the pastor. And then 86% of people asked why they attended church. Do you know why it was? Because they were invited by a friend. Because someone said to someone else, because I love you so much, I'm delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but my life as well. It's about us sharing life together in Christ. It's about finding life in Christ and sharing that with others. So, so the application today is, I'm, I'm winding it up here, I promise. Uh, the point of today's sermon and this whole series we're gonna be talking about vision. We're going to be talking about this new vision for fellowship. But what I want you to hear today is this. It's not a new vision. It's more like a new lens to help us to see God's vision more clearly right here, right now. And, it, and it's not even really our vision. It's God's vision. It's a fresh expression of the vision that God's revealed to the church since the beginning. The people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. We're gonna call it sharing life together because it's about the good news of God's grace lived out in this particular place. It's about the good news of God's grace lived out with a familiar face. It's about the good news of God's grace lived out through a, a shared embrace because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our very lives as well. Friends, I think right here, right now, at the beginning of this new school year, at the beginning of this new season of life and ministry that we have together, this is a good time for us to have our vision checked. And so my prayer for us is that we would begin to see ourselves and others and God through this new lens of the gospel in a fresh way, that, that we wouldn't seek to exist to, to look cool or smart or relevant, but we would exist to hold God's vision in place here in this place that our church would lock arms together to be the frame that holds God's vision in place so that the world around us can see God's presence through the lens of our life together so that people might see themselves and those around them and God through the lens of the gospel. The good news of God's grace in this particular place with a familiar face to a shared embrace. That's what sharing life together is all about. So I'm gonna leave you today with the title of next week's 
sermon and I hope it'll get you ready and get you excited and maybe you'll invite somebody else. Maybe you'll be part of that 86% to invite someone else to church next week so that they can hear this message and so that they can join us in this mission and in this vision. The title of next week's sermon is All Aboard. And if you want to be a part of this community of faith that values connection, collaboration, commission, and celebration, if these ships that we're talking about, like relationship and ownership and partnership and worship, if that sounds like something that you'd like to get into, then I want you to get in and get ready for God to do great things in and through our sharing life together. I love that those words that we sang this morning. I believe it. We can see that, God, you're moving. A mighty river through Murfreesboro, where young and old return to Jesus. So let's ask God to, to swing wide those heavenly gates and prepare the way for the risen Lord. Amen. I'm a little excited about it. Can you tell? I hope you'll be excited about it too. And one of the things that I think is so amazing this morning, and it, it's something only God can do, that here we are at the beginning of this series that we get to start this journey at the table of Holy Communion, where Jesus cast that vision of God's kingdom to to his friends that have become like family as they've shared life together. He invited them in to share in his life and death and resurrection so that they could share the good news of God's grace with them. So I wanna invite you this morning, you can get out your, your communion kit. Don't, don't open it just yet. If you have already, that's okay. And I wanna invite us to share in this meal and remember the covenant that God has made through the blood and the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's. Let's prepare our hearts this morning. Christ invites to his table all who love him and who earnestly seek uh, to be in relationship with him and others. And so as we go to the table this morning, I wanna begin just with a moment of silent prayer to prepare our hearts and minds and confess any sin that we need to confess to God this morning. So will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give thanks to you this morning for loving us so much that you created us for relationship with you. And Lord, when our sin has separated us from you, you made a way for us to be redeemed and restored and renewed through the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that proves your love for us. We thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and so, God, we come today confessing our sin to you today. We confess, God, that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, God, there, for we have done things we wish we hadn't and not done things we wish we had. And yet we thank you that your grace meets us right where we are. To give us love and mercy and new life in Christ. So God, thank you that we can approach your table and your throne of grace with confidence today. Not in ourselves, but in your son Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you as often as you do this. Do it in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God and gave it to his disciples and said, take, drink, 
all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so God, today we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup, that you would make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. So now I invite you to take the, the wafer. And as you receive the bread this morning, hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you. And as you drink the juice, hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks be to God. I want to invite you. Uh, Lee is going to just play some soft music behind us this morning. There's not going to be a, a closing song, uh, but you're invited to pray. If you'd like to come forward and pray, you can do so. If, if uh, you want to respond this morning, you have questions about a relationship with Christ or a relationship with this church, I'll be available over here. I'd love to connect with you, but take just the next couple of moments just to reflect and, and listen to what God might be speaking to your heart today before we close our service. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this wonderful means of grace that we get to experience today. Lord, help us to receive it and all that it means for us so that we might share it with those around us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.